0: Steve fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Hello.
1: This is Steve fielder coming at you with the 6th episode of Gone to the Dogs podcast. And it's been an interesting ride for sure. It's been a lot of fun for me and and it's going to be a lot of fun for you I think tonight uh, when I introduce my guest and this is kind of a nostalgic trip for me because I'm going to get to go back to the hills from whence I came, back to the hills of West Virginia where this crazy trip or coon hunter journey started for me uh, way too many years ago. Uh, so we've got a great show for you tonight, and uh, I'm just really looking forward to getting into it. Before I get started, I wanted to mention an event that's coming up on November 20th uh, down on the coastal Carolina area there along the the uh, uh, state line between North and South Carolina. Uh, the boys down there are having what they call the Carolina Youth Challenge. Now, this was an event that I was privileged to work with a good friend, David Pritchett, who has since passed on. I regret to say he was a dear friend and someone that I worked with in in establishing this event when I was with the AKC. This Carolina Youth Challenge uh, pits, I won't say pits, but it's a competition uh, between the kids of North Carolina and the kids of South Carolina. And they have attained points by entering the Many events are there. There's night hunts, bench shows, tree contest, contests, uh, field trial, all those kind of things. Now, these guys down there in those low country we call that kind of the low country. Uh, I do, anyway, South Carolina and uh, North Carolina coastal areas. Uh, these guys have a beautiful location at a fox hunting club in Hallsboro, uh, North Carolina. It's there near Whiteville and when I was there, I worked with the clubs at Delco and Clarendon and Supply, North Carolina, Um, but I'm not sure how many clubs are involved now, but in addition to having a beautiful facility, a typical low country house with big uh, sprawling porches all around uh, the building and beautiful grounds, they really go all out and providing prizes for these kids. There's all kinds of prizes there and they have 20 places in the night hunt with trophies for each place. And then in addition to that, each of the top 20 kids get a hunting light. Uh so these guys don't mess around. It's the Carolina Youth Challenge North versus South and it's on November 20th, 2021 in hallsboro North Carolina. So You've got a youngster there and you live in the Carolinas or anywhere in the country, as far as that goes, and want to have a great time. Go down there and see those boys. And man, do they know how to put on the feedback. I remember uh, the specialty when I was down there was collard greens. I mean, folks were lining up for those collards and come in the clubhouse. Where's the collards? When will they be ready? And they were definitely worth the wait. So, Anyway, this last week, I've been on a pleasure trip uh, up through Virginia and over into West Virginia and then back home. Ella and I made about, a, by the time it was all done, there was about 2,400 miles on the odometer on the car. And uh, we just had a great time. We started by going up to the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. I'd always wanted to visit the Skyline Drive up there. Had never done that. I'd been up the Blue Ridge up there. And, you know, it seems like everywhere I go, it's a a nostalgic trip. I guess when you're as old as I am, everything kind of reminds you of somebody or some hunt that I attended or whatever. And as I went uh, by the uh, saw the road signs there for a town called Shenandoah, Virginia, I was reminded of Paul and Janice May. Uh, some really sweet people that I met several years ago. Paul was a bear hunter, and um, w- my dad had a dog that I had bred, a plot dog, of course, uh, that we called Lefty. There was only two pups in that litter and uh, that lived, and I named them Poncho and Lefty after that song by Merle Haggard and uh, and Willie Nelson, I believe. But anyway, Lefty was a great bear dog, but he was very strong. My dad was getting up in years, and he had trouble getting Le- uh, Lefty off a tree on that steep hillside in West Virginia. He said, Steve, I just can't handle this dog anymore, and I'm going to sell him. Well, he was out of my old Bronco dog, which was, I guess, my all-time favorite. But anyway, Lefty went on and had an illustrious career as a bear dog there in the Shenandoah Va- uh, Mountains of Virginia. So that was a great memory for me. And then as I went up through, uh, actually before I got to the Shenandoah area, went near the town of Waynesboro, Virginia. And that's where one of my dad's dearest bear hunting friends and life uh, lifetime friends, Pete and Gene Falls, lived there at Rosalind, Virginia. And my dad used to love to go to Nelson County and bear hunt up on the Blue Ridge Parkway in the Three Ridges area. And Pete and Gene had two sons, uh, Joel and Jerome, which we everybody called him Romy. There was a fellow named Speedy Campbell that was one of the bear hunters. And they were just great, great hunters and great people. And my mother and dad got to be great friends with them, and they would visit back and forth. And we always enjoyed going to the Falls home. They lived in the country they had apple orchards all around the house there and it was in the in the blue ridge mountain old Three river uh three ridges back as a backdrop and just what a great time and remember uh, a couple of dogs my dad had bred a dog named cody and uh i believe it was joel had a, a walker dog named deacon and cody and uh, uh deacon were on the special teams when it came to bear hunting. Uh, they would be get to ride around in the Jeep until a bear got jumped. And if they, Paul would say, I mean, uh, Pete would say, uh, you know, if uh, that bear's jumped and we can get Cody and Deacon in there, he's a treed bear. And uh, so those are just some great memories of some really great folks and those kind of things do come up from time to time, and then after we spent our time in in the uh, Skyline Drive area, there stayed at a place called Skyland, right up on Skyline Drive, beautiful views and all, really nice place to stay. But anyway, I drove from there and drove over into Hardy County, West Virginia, around uh, Moorfield in that area, and I couldn't help but remember a story there about a friend of mine down in southern west virginia in raleigh county a railroader and a coon hunter named um, leo lars leo was quite the coon hunter he always had a top dog took his coon hunting seriously he did hunt a little bit in the night hunts at our local club but not too much but at any rate he loved to go to hardy county every fall and go coon hunting and i always kind of envisioned hardy county as like that coon hunters disney world because as our guests will attest we uh get into this just a little bit uh southern west virginia is not a disney world for coon hunters but at any rate Leo loved to tell a good story, and he had several that he would tell. And he came back one year from Hardy County, and he told me the story about old Elvis. Now, he said one day they were out on a uh, a date after the night's hunt, as coon hunters will do, uh, and driving around, looking over the country, looking for new places to hunt and uh, as he was driving along he looked in this yard at a farmhouse and there stood a beautiful black and tan coonhound out in the front yard there so he and his partner I I don't recall who he was hunting with they pulled in the yard there and got out and uh, went up to the door and Leo of course introduced himself and and the gentleman did too and and he's uh, Leo says, "Is that is that your black and tan there?" And the fellow said, "Yes, sir. That's old Elvis." And Leo says, "Well, Elvis sure is a good-looking hound." He said, uh, "Well, Elvis uh, tree a coon," and uh, the the farmer said, "Well, no, sir. Uh, he won't." But he said, "I tell you what. I'll sell him to you." And if you can get him to Triacoon, I'll buy him back. <laughs> so, Leo said, Well, I don't know. I think I'll pass on old Elvis. But at any rate, um, then I went over to Davis, West Virginia. And uh, we wanted to go to Blackwater Falls, we'd never been there before and uh, the Blackwater River, and I think our guest and I are going to talk about this a little bit. But at any rate, going through Randolph County there reminded me of a time when my dad and I went up in that area. There's an area near there uh, called Glady, and uh, we went bear hunting with a fellow up there, and his name was Huffman, and I can't remember his first name right now. But in those days, we didn't have any tracking collars, uh, any way to keep track of the dogs, really. But that day, we got a bear track started, and we were hunting two dogs that we called Sam and Hoss. Sam really became the foundation sire of the plot dogs that we bred for many years. But at any rate, uh, they got out after a bear. It got out of hearing, well up into the day, we really didn't know which direction the dogs had gone, but driving around and all, one of the hunters talked to a still hunter that was in the woods with a gun, and uh, ironically, he said, uh, the, the fellow described this guy as having a gun and a bow. Now, I'm not sure that's legal, <laughs> but at any rate, he had been hoping, I guess, to get a shot at a bear since bear season was in and he uh uh, all of a sudden he hears these dogs coming over a ridge and it coming right toward him and uh, he described it as two dogs one was a brown dog and one was a black dog well sam was a kind of a reddish brown brindle dog and hoss was a, a black brindle dog and he said he shot Uh, and they were running the bear and almost ran the bear over him. And he took a shot at the bear and the bear fell and then jumped back up. And he said, as they went over that ridge, that black dog was hanging right on that bear's tail end. Well, we didn't get that bear. Uh, In fact, didn't get a blood trail on the bear. And uh, we were, I can remember laying back on one of those mountains well into the night as we waited and tried to get the the dogs back. And Hoss did show up, and we were able to take him back to uh, southern West Virginia with us. Sam did not show up, and uh, as was the custom back in those days, he uh, uh, about a week my dad got a postcard from a gentleman up there in Glady, West Virginia saying, uh, your dog came to my house. I've got him here tied up, and here's how you get to me. And that was the way you communicated back in those days before tracking collars. So anyway, that's kind of my little uh, prelude here to the main event tonight, and that's the opportunity to talk to a fellow that I haven't known very long, I feel like I know him better uh, than I really do because I've watched his YouTube videos, those in, uh, of him and his sons. Uh, on YouTube, you'll find him at Muncie Outdoors. And it's my terrific privilege tonight to uh, have a conversation with Josh Muncie. Josh, how are
0: you doing, my friend? I'm blessed, Steve. How are you doing this evening, brother? Well, as you
1: can tell, I'm all wound up about this trip that I took and all the memories that it it entailed. But uh, man, it's good to talk to you. I've wanted to talk with you ever since we first met, kind of through messenger and and watching your videos. And uh, uh, you know, particularly because you come from the general same uh, same general part of the world that I do. Yeah. Now I believe you're in Mingo County, West Virginia. Is that right? Uh, that would be correct. All right. Now Mingo is would be in like the south extreme southwestern part of West Virginia. That's right?
0: correct. Yes, uh, we're right on the Kentucky, right on Kentucky border. Yeah.
1: Well, when you say Kentucky, my uh grandparents on my mother's side, and my mother was a Hatfield, I'm sure you've heard that name down in that part of the oh, country. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and the McCoys, too, I bet. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, my grandparents were born over around Paintsville, Kentucky, and uh, West Van Lear, exactly, where Loretta Lynn was from. That's where they came from. Yep. I so know I know, know How about how far from you is that? Uh,
0: for me to get to Paintsville uh, is about 35, 40 minutes. So not very oh, far at all. not
1: far at all. Honestly. Yeah. And, that, and the Tug River is what separates West Virginia and that's Kentucky, correct. right? Yep. Right? Here, that's okay. correct. Okay. Okay. So what town do you live in, actually? I live in the uh, town
0: of uh, Kermit is the name Kermit. of the town I live I, in. Yep, I've
1: heard, I've heard of that uh, all my life and never been there. Yeah. I, I know that there is a Hatfield Cemetery, Somewhere in their area, do you know where that is?
0: Uh, there's, there's, there's several. Probably several. Okay. Yeah, there's several. the one
1: where Devil Ants is buried. I, I know my parents went there one time years ago. And yeah, there's. Uh, when
0: did. once you get over to other parts around the the Mate One and Gilbert, I see. West Virginia mm-hmm. areas and parts of Mingo County. It's uh, the Hatfield McCoy stuff is. That's that's where a lot of it happened. Yeah, that I area. bet.
1: Well, that's interesting. I think I've mentioned that on a podcast before. So, I really won't go into that, but yeah, well, I wanted to uh first of all, as we do customarily when we have a guest on a podcast, kind of get a little bit of backstory and a little bit of information about right. our guest and uh, you know, uh let me just ask you some of the general questions. How old are you, Josh?
0: Okay, I'm 36. 36
1: years 36 old. i think that's the age i was when i went to work for ukc yeah. and that was back in 1983 so <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, i am an old man i,
0: w- I wasn't going to say that
1: <laughs> well were you born right there in that area uh
0: yeah i'm born and raised here the next town over is uh called crumb there's no stoplights no stop sign it's a one shot you can see from one end to the other uh that's where I was raised at and, and I live ten minutes from from that area, from that place. The old
1: saying is the welcome and the come back again signs on the same post, right? Yes. Yes it is. <laughs> well that's great. There's certainly a lot to be said about living in an area like that because I agree. uh yeah, you bet. So um so you still live then fairly close to where you were born. Yes, sir. I see. Yes, sir. Well, that's great. Now, you have a family. I've met your boys, in fact, was able to talk to them here before we started our recording. Tell, tell us a little bit about your family.
0: Uh, well, I've been married. I actually just celebrated my 17th wedding anniversary with my, my wife, Brittany. Uh, a lot of people who's who's been on the Muncie Outdoor Facebook page have seen pictures of her and probably asked the same question, why in the world is she married to him? Because... uh she is, uh, I, I couldn't have done any better and she could have done a lot better. <laughs> so we'll just oh, want to yeah, put, it, put it there, but she is, uh, she's my, a wonderful, yeah. wonderful, wonderful woman, uh, inspires me to be a better person. Uh, and that's what a marriage should be. Uh, she makes me yeah. better. And, uh, uh, you met my boys. Bryson is my oldest one. Uh, he is 17 or I'm sorry. He just turned 16 and, uh, he's in the 10th grade, uh, loves to hunt, uh, life he's my lifelong hunting buddy loves to hunt loves to fish doesn't like the camera as much as most people's probably seen on the on the youtube channel uh doesn't like the camera nearly as much as my youngest one peyton he's 12 he'll be uh 13 today after christmas so and he's accepting gifts if anybody wants to send anything so so we uh peyton is a salesman yes so uh and everybody who's watched my youtube channel knows Peyton. he is uh he's kind of the star star of the show uh, and it's because of him i we even started the channel honestly uh but he is uh he loves it, loves to hunt, loves to fish uh when he was smaller he didn't really like didn't really wasn't crazy about hunting as much as he was fishing. he loved to fish uh, once we got into coon hunting and he got his own dog, coon hunting is his thing, and that's what he liked.
1: Well, you can tell it by the videos and, and I always uh, have a little saying that parenting pays Mm. and you can definitely see it in your boys and they're polite young men and articulate young men, uh, well-spoken and I'm sure you are. I'm very proud of my son. He hunted with me when he was small, but as he got older things like basketball, uh, and, uh, playing a guitar he loved to play guitar mm. he never played in bands but he sure did make my head hurt uh, a lot of times playing in his room and even had me make a stage for him in the basement
0: <laughs> and his buddies so but at any rate i do understand that both of my boys peyton loves the drums so oh we had, yeah he has a drum set in the garage uh and bryson my oldest one uh he kind of took to music naturally uh mm-hmm. he, he yeah. could play the piano he could play the the guitar he could play the bass he just he took to it and he he teaches and that's what he does all day he just plays guitar, oh, that's, that's what he loves to do so.
1: that's awesome you know I my dad was i
0: feel your pain on that
1: <laughs> well my brother's a drummer so <laughs> i put up with that pretty much all my life well okay what do you do for a living uh besides uh, make youtube videos yeah. well josh
0: I am. A, I'm a railroader by trade. Uh, hmm. that, that's what I do. Uh, I, and I'm. I've been blessed to be able to stay close to home and, and get a work Man, around here. A lot good. of them guys are not that fortunate. So I'm blessed to get to stay around home and do it. Uh, other than, apart from just uh, that, I do. I pastor a church. Uh, oh well, that's I,
1: something I didn't realize. Yep, that's good. Pastor, My brother's a pastor too. Tell us about that.
0: Yep, I I do pastor a church. Uh, it's supposed to be the oldest church in the state. Uh, first or second we've never really been able to to nail that part <laughs> down i know it was established in uh in 1823 uh and wow and i'm a i'm a history buff love history and and i've been able to go back through all the old records at the church and read all the records they've kept from i found back to the 1840s that i was able to read and to think what the all everything the church has gone through and and it's actually the church that i grew up in and so the church my dad started preaching in, and. Uh, as I got older and got back to that church, uh, eventually became became the pastor there and been there as pastor as about two years now.
1: Well, that's awesome. And what's the name of that church?
0: Silver Creek United Baptist is the name of the well, church. Uh, we well, could I great. could take the United Baptist completely out because I don't care about denomination one bit. Uh, <laughs> so
1: well that that's awesome man i didn't realize that i learned something about you that i didn't know or maybe i'd heard it and just forgot it i do that a lot <laughs> well let's talk about since this is a coon hunters podcast predominantly we do dabble a little bit and and the other tree dogs and bear hunting i want to get some squirrel hunters on here they've been after me and i've been putting them off and really shouldn't because that's something that i personally enjoy and and had a little experience with over the years, but um, you know, when did you start coon hunting? How did you get involved?
0: Actually, when when I started coon hunting, uh, my cousin Channing and anybody who's watched the YouTube videos have seen him on there. He's on there a lot with me. Uh, I only started hunting probably six years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't didn't grow up. My dad was not a was not a coon hunter growing up. Not really much of a hunter at all. He liked to fish a lot. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Mm-hmm uh great excellent fisherman but as far as me getting into coon hunting Channing was buying a uh went to buy a dog and told me this guy had another one and uh, he that he wanted to sell so i went down and got it he was about six months old at the time ugly as he could be and uh and we, we, me and him hunted them dogs them pups by themselves. we didn't have an older dog uh we we ran them pups four or five nights a week uh <laughs> for for a year before anything actually ever started happening with that, with that. Well,
1: that's not so so hard for me to imagine knowing where that you're hunting, you know, but a lot of other people across the country probably don't understand it, and yeah. I realize that coon hunting is probably much better now in West Virginia than it was back when I started as a kid but uh to to try to start a pup in that country is pretty tough and and i want to talk to you about that in just a little bit but uh so you really just you and your cousin you said yep. channing yeah uh, learned it learned to hunt together then
0: absolutely yeah i didn't have uh i didn't even know how to coon hunt i went a couple times when i was younger i always loved it man one of the first memories i have as far as coon hunting goes i was probably 10 years old somewhere in that area and i was hunting with my uncle jerry uh, he had some good dogs. He had some walker dogs that he ran, but uh, we ran into some guys while we were out hunting people he knew, and they turned the dogs out, and they had a blue tick running down in the holler, and we were up on top of the ridge, and, and I just remember that uh, the big, long ball, man, and that located that, that blue tick, and that that's one of the earliest memories I have of, as far as coon hunting, and, and I never forgot it. I knew it was something with a lot of hobbies. I know I'll like them. Uh, So I don't start them because I know they're going to cost money. (laughs) And coon hunting was one of those. That I I, I was something I always was interested in and just never did get into it until I finally pulled the trigger and started. And it's something around here. You talked a little bit about hunting in this area. Uh, You can can invite somebody to coon hunt one time. You get one shot. And either they're going to love it and you'll never have to invite (laughs) them again and they're going to keep coming back. Or if you ever invite them again, they're never going to go again. So it's it's either going to get a hold of them or they're going to hate it. One of the two.
1: I thought you were going to say they're going to go back to your spot and you're not going to be able to. (laughs) 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 That's kind of the way things were back where, where I grew up. Well you know I couldn't put my finger on the the moment that I realized that I love kuna because it was just always there in my, in my life through my dad you know mm. and and I did love it from the very start uh couldn't really describe it or identify the parts of it over the years I I guess I could kind of explain it but uh, my mother said it was in my blood that uh, you know that uh, I couldn't help myself, and that's probably true
0: I do well, I think that's probably true. I think it does get in your blood because uh, the only thing that kept us going back was just the hope and anticipation that these pups are finally going to do something tonight, so we we kept <laughs> going and kept going and kept going and and it, and it does get in your blood where you just can't quit yeah. you know.
1: Hope Springs Eternal, they say. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> well, what breeds have you hunted? Uh,
0: uh, uh all all as far as the dogs I've owned. Uh they've all been trained walkers. Mm-hmm. The ones I've owned have been. And uh and I've had a I've had a couple that uh that's had to teach me how to hunt. And that, that, that's been the biggest thing to me, uh, is letting that dog teach me how to hunt because I didn't know how uh but uh the, the as far as the breed uh me and my buddy Justin, you'll see him i'm going to be putting a video up uh He's been on a couple. he's real quiet too. he don't say much on camera, so you wouldn't even notice him sometimes but uh he uh we just went and picked up two blue tick two blue tick dogs uh, a male and mm-hmm. a uh, a female and uh we've been trying to run them. They came from a different part of the state where they did have uh the coon population was much better. Than mm-hmm. than it is here, so they're still trying to adjust to that a little bit. I believe, and it's a totally different terrain than, than where they were hunting. Oh, yeah. So it's a uh, mm-hmm. uh, and hunting with new dogs and new people, uh, and we we got high expectations for them. I'm excited to hunt with them more.
1: Well, it's interesting. I was going to assume that the tree and Walker was your favorite breed, but maybe maybe not. Huh?
0: Well, as far as my favorite, I like the looks of a tree and Walker better than any other dog. Uh, but I don't. If they'll treat a coon at this point around here, if they can treat a coon, I don't care if it's a Chihuahua. I'd, I'd take. I'd load it up and take it.
1: <laughs> well, that might be a little tough in the country <laughs> you hunt. But uh, have you had a in in these six years or so that you've been hunting? Has there been a favorite dog that you've had? Uh, at, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Uh, th- my first dog. His name was his name was Ranger. He. Uh, I didn't do him like I said. He was just a pup. I didn't do him any any service. I didn't have. Uh, me, some dogs you just connect with, and I know you mm-hmm. know what I've talked. I've heard you talk about Hoss, and I've heard you talk about some of the dogs you've had, and even with Cruz uh, the you just have a connection with some dogs. Me and Ranger, mm-hmm. we never clicked, and I think a lot of it just because I didn't know what I was doing, he didn't know what he was doing, and it felt like we were always kind of butting heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, then I moved from him to my older dog Nitro. Uh, I just I actually just got rid of Nitro, and uh, uh actually a guy you may know, Woodrow Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he's the one who's got nitro now and I'm, I'm looking to get a pup off him, but I hated to get rid of nitro. Uh, I re- I really did. He was a different kind of hunting dog. When I first started coon hunting and this has just been my, my journey in the short sit in the six years that I, I wanted a, I just wanted a dog that was going to tree coons. And then I didn't, I got to the point where I didn't want a dog that was going to run three miles to tree a coon. Mm-hmm. And then I got Nitro, which he was a he was a closer hunting dog. You're going to turn him out to holler. He's going to hunt that holler out. If he don't get on a track in that holler, he's going to come back to me. If he hit a track, mm-hmm. he's going to go a mile. Sounds ideal. Sounds like a perfect dog. But the coon population is so low around here that you have to have a dog that's going to go and tree coons. Uh, mm-hmm. Nitro was was road hunted a lot, so he didn't like to get super deep. And you have to have a dog that's willing to get in there, uh, and and, and get in there and get deep, uh, searching for him. So. Uh, that's that was my main reason from cutting ties with him, but he's been by far my favorite. He taught me, he taught mm-hmm. me how to coon hunt. That dog did. did
1: do you know anything about his breeding?
0: Oh, when you go back, I mean, he had uh, goes back to Sackett Junior and Hickory Nut Harry and uh, nocturnal Daler mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so many big names back mm-hmm. in his lot. Lot of night champs and that's grand it. champs, yeah, in his pedigree.
1: Well, you know. I want to talk more about the hunting there in West Virginia. Yeah. And, uh, and and we're going to come back to that. Right? Before we get there, I'd like to talk a little bit about this YouTube channel that you have. Uh, when, when did you start posting videos on YouTube?
0: Actually, that was uh, a year. A year just in a, in a week or so right now mm-hmm. that we started doing it. Completely uh, not something I wanted to do. It's something Peyton my youngest one uh he, he takes naturally to a camera and that's something he wanted to do. <laughs> he does. <laughs> my wife my wife knows nothing about Coon hunting, but she anything the boys are interested in, she's interested in. And uh so I would I would video parts of the hunt and I would put part, parts and pieces together and just to show her. Uh and Peyton kept wanting me to make a YouTube channel and I said no, I don't really want to I don't want to do with that I don't want to fool with that. And finally, my phone ran out of memory, and I had to have somewhere to put these videos. (laughs) So I said, I'll put them on there. And uh, just so I can go back, we can go back and look at them and have them to to remember. And uh, so we did that. I put them on there. And then things just, uh, I knew the quality was not great. And I had a lot of help uh, from other people, other people who had coon hunting YouTube channel, because it's different. It's different trying to, to video at nighttime. And get a good oh, yeah. quality video and uh and my first our first videos were not that they were terrible as far as as far as trying to watch viewability uh and even audio it was just terrible and uh i had i took i had a lot of advice from a lot of other mm-hmm. people that that changed everything as far as editing and and how to hold your phone even and and the lighting external lighting how how much how important that was and uh so I've had a lot of help. As far as that goes, I didn't even want to do it, and, it, and it's got to a point now to where uh, ha- us having sponsors and and stuff like that, and, and I still I still love it. It don't feel like a job, and I don't think it ever will. Uh, I just I love I love coon hunting. I like making the videos and being able to share with people. I think there's value in in being able to watch other people, especially spend time with their family.
1: Well, yeah, for sure, and you know, for so many years we had nothing basically in the tree dog world. You know the major networks weren't going to pick us up on, on the wide as back when I was a kid. It's called the Wide World of Sports. Uh, there was an occasional event that w- would involve hounds. Maybe back when Roy Rogers was running hounds, a famous cowboy or whatever. Yeah. But uh, you know we really didn't have anything. And I can recall when I was with PKC, doing a couple of shows for ESPN Two. Um, that, uh, at one of our events out in Clarksville, Arkansas, right. and that was kind of neat to be able. And I saw those episodes, uh, you know, for a few years, they'd float around on the cable TV channels and, and the hunting networks and so forth. But we really didn't have anything in, until the advent of YouTube and right. people started posting. Uh, you know, I think like you said, it was mostly, um, uh, for their own enjoyment and, and yeah, you know an archive so to speak you know of of their hunting adventures and i've always kept a journal on my hunts i always used to write everything down uh for every hunt that i had and i still have those old journals and time to time i'll go back and go through them and they recreate the memories you know that i had so yeah well now um how many videos do you think you've posted so far? You know? I
0: think I think we're just a little over forty, but now some of those are family, just family videos. I and, see. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are are just uh, the boys' birthdays and stuff like that, just small mm-hmm. stuff for us to be able to look back on. But I think there's there's probably forty, right around that. And you
1: and those are posted under Muncy Outdoors, right? That's that's correct. Yes, that's M U N C Y. That's right. outdoors. Okay. Right. All right. Well, I certainly urge uh, our listeners to go out to YouTube there and 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 watch the videos. It's a lot of fun. And I think you're doing really well with your production and, and I know, man, you scared me to death uh, last night I was watching one of your videos and man all of a sudden you went got in a vehicle or something and the music went boom, man and here we go and I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's good stuff and I'd say the kids love it. Yeah, well, they know. do.
0: They they do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, that's awesome. Um okay, do you have a favorite a favorite episode that that you've published or maybe <sighs> the boys think is the best or or whatever?
0: I have I have a couple that that kind of stick out stick out to me i wish we were making them when we first treated uh, with them pups i wish we were making videos then because i don't know if i've ever been as excited just me hunting but to watch Mm -hmm. the boys when they're they're hunting and to watch them harvest something anytime that happens i I get much more excited about them hunting than i do myself uh and but uh the one that sticks out to me we had hunted nitro when i got him he had been hunting with other dogs majority of his life and 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 I just I was a pleasure hunter. I've never got into the comp stuff yet. Uh, just pleasure hunting, and uh, so me and Channing would always turn our dogs out together. Uh, so I didn't really know what he would do by himself. Uh, then Channing and his well his family ended up getting COVID, and we separated. I had to stay separate for a while. So I got to hunt Nitro by himself. And in one of the videos, uh, Nitro goes out and he treated his first coon for me, which that was the first time I had my dog tree a mm-hmm. coon by by itself. And that was sort of a validation for me, and a validation for that for that dog, and my purchase of that dog, and my investment in that dog. And uh, that that one was one of my one of my favorites.
1: I see. Well, you know,
0: uh, I kind
1: of have wondered as I started this podcast exactly what direction I wanted to go with it. And generally speaking, I just wanted a platform that we could get together and talk dogs because I think anybody that loves to hunt loves to do that when you're sitting on the tailgate or at a coon club or in a coffee shop or at the gas station or wherever we get an opportunity to meet another coon hunter we want to just talk dogs, and so that that was number one but you know i the temptation is there to go out and try to find the superstars of the sport and the people that have invested a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of years. And their stories are interesting. Don't get me wrong. But I like to get to the grassroots. And I think there's a lot of young people now. I can attest there was a time that I could go to virtually any major event in the country and I could walk in the room and I'd know 75% of the Mm, people there and could call them by name. But now that's not the case. There's a whole new generation of hunters out there, yeah. And you know, I benefited from ha- having a houndsman in my family, that really, and a woodsman uh, that I haven't met one to, to beat in all these years it was my dad. He grew up on a farm in Tennessee, basically spent his life in the woods till he was 19 years old and went away to the army. But anyway. You know, I want to talk to the people that are uh, that have a fire for this sport, mm. that want to do it. They they don't mind admitting that they don't know how to do everything. That's right. And and they're willing to learn. And I think that's the biggest thing we have. And I have to guard against that myself because I've been around this sport so long. You know, it would be easy for me to say, "Hey, I know it all." No, I don't. Every time I talk to somebody, I learn something, yeah. and if we listen, we will. And uh, but at any rate, that you're just the kind of guy that I enjoy talking to because you know you get into the sport and and uh, and you're enjoying it for all the right right reasons. As far as I'm concerned,
0: oh well, I appreciate that. Uh, well, and 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 I think as far as not knowing what you're doing, I, I readily. When you get to the point where you uh you could say uh, that you know everything, the excitement's gone, the fires are gone. And and I don't ever want to get to that point where I think it. Uh see what one of my what something I want to do is I'm not I'm never gonna be the smartest person in any room that I walk into. Uh so I'm always there's always somebody there that I can learn from. And and in this coon hunting world, I listen to you guys that do these podcasts, people who've been there. I do have uh, some uncles and family members that I can, I can go to, even though I may not have that knowledge and may not have that wisdom. Some of the wisest stuff that uh, a younger, the younger generation can do is just pay attention to the older guys and li- just listen to what they're doing and, and learn, from, learn from their mistakes so you don't have to make those. Uh, I, I think that's one of the smartest things we can do as, as, as younger, as the younger generation.
1: Well, I think that's an idea for a pod, future podcast for me. It's just to, we'd probably have to make it multiple parts. All the mistakes I've made down through the years <laughs> in, in trying to coon hunt and train coon dogs and so forth because there's a, there's certainly been a long list of them.
0: Well, I've only Listen. been at this six years, and I could do a whole series of podcasts on, on mistakes. <laughs> so.
1: Well we hopefully we learn from our mistakes Absolutely. and don't make the same ones twice you know but well let's talk about you know since you and I have this common bond of growing up in west virginia and not only west virginia but in the southern part of the state where coon hunting is really the poorest uh of any of the uh the state if you i mentioned hardy county and you move up into the eastern panhandle west virginia great coon hunting there up through the central part of the state, up in the northern panhandle, I lived in eastern Ohio along the Ohio River uh, up there, and and uh, along uh, just across from that panhandle area, and the coon hunting was phenomenal up there. But down where you and I come from is is basically uh, been coal mining country, yes, uh, and not much agriculture. Am I right?
0: You're exactly right. Uh,
1: yeah. And so let's just, for our listeners that may not, not know, you know, what it's like, let's dig down a little bit and try to try to tell them and share through experiences and, and observations what it's like there. What What is the territory like that you commonly hunt there uh, near home?
0: Well, I, I think a lot of our coon population attest to the fact that we, like you said, we don't have any, we don't have agriculture here to hunt we don't have cornfields or bean fields we don't have any of that so uh it really pays to know your food sources and uh, the, the, for, for for the coons and in the summertime to find you a holler that's got a creek running out of it you know i mean just or find you a pond back in the back of a holler somewhere that you could turn the dogs loose uh but man as far as i'm not naive enough to say that this is the hardest place in the world to hunt but uh, man i feel like it's up there sometimes uh uh, just as everything's steep and it don't matter what time of year it is, it feels like the leaves are always wet under your feet <laughs> and it's hard to climb these mountains, man. Uh, but I, I can't, I can't complain. I can't complain too much about it cause I still do it. I love to do it. Uh, I take a lot of breaks when I do it, but I still do mm-hmm. it. And, uh, and there's a lot of people here who do. I think, uh, we have, we have just about as many coon hunters as we do coons in the, in this area but as far as the terrain it is uh it's rough it's rough and there's big patches of land i have big patches of land i can hunt but with no access uh that's the thing mm-hmm. we don't have i don't have roads to to a lot of places we hunt so a mile walk for us is not not uncommon and you might in that mile you might walk two or three mountains to, to get to where your dogs are so
1: well, just to kind of describe the terrain, when we talk about a hollow or a holler, mm-hmm. as we commonly say, that's basically just a drainage where there's some kind of creek or something coming down, yeah, uh, down and 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 it's an area some would call it a bottom or a or a, a, a valley, a, a valley between two mountains, yeah, and those mountains, as you said, are steep. Yes, they are. And uh, I don't know. You know, I was just up around Spruce Knob, West Virginia, and the elevation up there is almost 5,000 feet yeah. above sea level. That's the highest point in West Virginia. It's not quite, I think it's 4,800 and some uh, feet above sea level. That's pretty high. The mountains in southern West Virginia are not that high, Mm-mm. but when you have to follow a dog that's crossed up out of one, uh, it can be, uh, uh, an ordeal to say the least. Can Yeah. It.
0: Yes, it can. Now, actually, when we go up to Canadian Valley, when we go up that area, that's what the boys look at that, I would not want to hunt around these mountains. I don't want, <laughs> I would not want a tree of coot up there on top of that hill. So. Be,
1: yeah. That, well, that, what you learn in that country is you kind of hunt around the foothills, yeah. you know, and up the little ridges, the little fingers that come off the big mountain, you yeah. know, and, And you got some kind of like rolling hills, and that's the way it is down through the eastern part of West Virginia. I used to hunt a lot in Monroe County, West Virginia. Yeah. And uh, that was about a 70-mile drive from my home there in Beckley and all. Well, um, so basically, you do hunt those hollows, or do you prefer to drive—do you have roads that you can— drive out ridges at times and cast the dogs?
0: Yeah, we do have some, uh, and most of the, the the roads we have will be roads that have been put in by, uh, old coal companies and and Mm -hmm. that, that kind of thing. Uh, so we do have, we do have some, some roads that we can get in and out of areas, but when you hunt the places with the roads, you also run into some dangerous territory because this Mm area has been mined. uh, what that does, and you'll—they'll see in the video that I'm getting ready to to put. We didn't see one coon, but uh, the dogs ran a coon down in a, a mine break, is what we call. Mm-hmm. Uh so it's just where, uh, just so other people, I know you understand what a mine break is, but uh, the area underneath sure. what we can see have been uh, has been mined, and then everything will start breaking and cracking on the surface, and it creates big crevices and big holes. Uh, down in the ground and uh and we've seen some we run into some big ones people lose dogs in them uh and hunting those areas where you do have access also comes with that that kind of danger Mm -hmm. too so
1: we weren't so sophisticated to call them breaks up where i grew up we just call them mine cracks
0: yeah (laughs) and it's a fun one
1: yeah the same deal and the ground does you know do you did you have that high wall type mining uh years ago in your part of the area where they didn't backfill and reclaim and all they basically for our listeners that don't understand that they went in around the side of the mountain and they would cut a road around there we uh, typically call it a bench like where the mountain is steep and it would be a road that was cut uh, uh, parallel let's say to the ridge of the mountain and they would blast the uh that top overburden down get into the coal seam probably either auger in there or do what they call a drift mouth or whatever go back into the mountain to get the coal and then just push all the spoil down over the hill and it would wind up down in the creek and they'd turn the water all red and kill all the fish, you know. Yep. And when I was a kid growing up in southern West Virginia, you know, even the beautiful parks like Grandview State Park, you'd go out and you'd look and across the landscape and it would be all scarred from these high walls. Well, you don't see that kind of mining today, I don't think, mm. in West Virginia. But those old strip jobs do still exist, don't they?
0: Yes, sir. Yep, they sure mm-hmm.
1: do. Yeah, and I know that they've also the the tourist I- industry is kind of taking advantage of it, especially in uh, around Wyoming County and some of those counties. And they opened a lot of those old areas up to to ATV trails. Yep, and that, do you have that in your area too?
0: Yeah, it's slowly making its way down down into my area here. But yeah, mm-hmm. we do.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. well, it, it's. A very unforgiving place to hunt that it is yes it is it It takes a young man to hunt it uh I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't not physically climb those ridges the way I used to, and to be honest with you, without bragging, Josh, I used to pay no attention to that at all. Yeah. It was just all part of it, you know, the dog treat up, we'd hunt the little blue stone river. Uh, there and the dogs would go up over, and we'd say, Well, you know, it's going to be a steep one, boys. And here we go, you know. And guys would make little cracks like, Boy, this mountain's been in my face all night
0: long <laughs> Yeah. And I understand that statement completely. I do. Well, but
1: if you're a coon hunter, it's still, if you're a coon hunter, you'd love it though, don't you?
0: absolutely absolutely you owe it to your dogs i mean you owe it to your dogs to walk to them if they get in there and tree no matter how far it is how rough it is uh you owe it to your dogs to go see what they got
1: well you you do and and we've discussed that i think in a in a listener comment not too long ago about going to our dogs and trying to follow our dogs now do you hunt much in the summertime
0: uh we do uh i'll slow down i slow down a lot we uh We'll hunt a couple nights a week, usually in the summertime. Won't stay out all night if we can help it. It just—it's mm-hmm. too hard on the dogs uh, running around these mountains. It's—it's not—it's not easy, and uh, yeah. it's a little hard on the dogs. So we—we yeah. we do hunt some in the summertime, uh, but we're—we're we're just now getting our favorite time of year. It's just like everybody else is.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I think we've pretty firmly established that it's a rough place to hunt. That, yeah. that coons are there, but they're not easy to come by. That's right. It does take a dog that will go hunting to find one. Uh, I know growing up as a kid, you know, I, uh, we didn't have what they commonly call these ambush dogs of today. Uh, the dogs that just go blow clear out of the country looking for a hot track to get under. But we did have guys that wanted to hunt what we called still trailers or silent mouth dogs just for the fact that a lot of times the coons would hear the dog bark, and they'd go into those mine breaks or they'd go into a hollow tree uh, or whatever. So uh, it kind of surprised me when uh, when you said that you like a dog that really goes hunting. How do you keep up with a dog like that, and how does that work for you? Well,
0: I'd, I'd say the thing with uh, with my old dog Nitro, and I keep I keep bringing it back to him, but he uh he didn't hunt super deep, and and I wanted if I'm going to walk through these mountains, I want to walk to coons, mm-hmm. uh so and and a lot of times he wouldn't get in there deep enough for me mm-hmm. in this area to to get to to where the coons were, uh so if I'm going to do it and I'm going to walk through these mountains and I'm going to climb up and down these hills, I'm going to I want a coon at the end of it even if I have to walk a little farther to get one. Uh, so it wouldn't be uh, when I talked to the guy that I got nitro from and he was explaining how he hunted, I was like, that sounds perfect. That's what I want. Mm. And, uh, yeah. and so, but, but i got to have a dog that's going to tree, tree coons at the, at, the same, at the same time and we'll get to where the coons are.
1: I got you. So, you know, the old days of the guys that kind of basically took a dog out there and they just walked up the holler. Or they went walked out a ridge or whatever, you know. They uh, uh, that kind of dog won't work down in that part of the country anymore.
0: No, no, I wouldn't right. think so.
1: Well, Josh, we've talked a lot about the terrain there, where you hunt, the type of territory, and it sure enough is rough. Yeah, and we know that you know coon populations are not the greatest there and all, but I wanted to give our listeners a taste of what it's like to actually hunt in that part of the country, especially those across the Midwest and live in these as we commonly say coon zoos where the yeah. hunting's pretty easy. But I know that you had mentioned that your boys were interested in competition hunting and that you were, uh, you know, you've got some new pups and all, and you're thinking about along those lines uh what about coon clubs in your area what do you have there
0: uh, well i mean there's several there's several uh right around here but i the mingo county coon club is just uh five minutes down the road from my house and uh but when they do have their hunts uh at, at you there's they're in a parking lot full of trucks i'd say uh it's not there's always 50 or 60 trucks there i don't know how many of those people are actually hunting but there's always good turnouts and uh and actually, a lot of those guys will go over to the Kentucky hunt to the Martin County, because it's pretty close too. We'll go over there and hunt. We have a couple good clubs that that are active and have a lot of active members right here where where I live. Well,
1: that's good. Are you seeing uh, uh, maybe an influx of newer hunters, younger hunters that are getting involved?
0: Uh, there's a, there are a lot. There's a there are a lot of younger hunters around uh, around here right now. And actually, I hope I hope to be able to do some videos with some of our our local younger guys that, that are kind of starting to make a name for themselves a little bit in the coon hunting. And, uh, uh, so I hope to, hope to get to do that, but there are a lot of younger, younger guys hunting. I haven't got to go down to one of the hunts. I've never participated in it. I just drive by and see everybody. That's, that's about as far as I've ever, that's as close as I've ever got to a competition hunt.
1: Well, I, I got you. I know on my recent trip up through the mountains there, especially up around Mount storm and, and, uh, um, davis in that area saw a lot of bear hunting rigs Mm. you know a lot of trucks around uh it's interesting you can see them everywhere parked in the school parking lots you can see them uh, at the factories and and so forth so uh, uh but that's always a telltale uh sign of a houndsman if you can see a dog box in the back of the truck it kind of gives you an idea what the population is well you kind of surprised me a little bit there talking about the ambush uh, type dog that you kind of like a dog that goes hunting good you know and i'm not implying that you prefer the the ambush type dog we call those that kind of just hunt out of the world and try to get under a hot coon but you do need a dog that goes hunting don't you
0: yeah, you definitely do. Uh, like you said, we've talked about how rough the terrain is, and uh, and if you're going to follow a dog uh, through this terrain, you want a coon at the end of it, at, at the end of that walk. Uh, so you have to have a dog that's going to get in there, that's going to uh, go go till it gets a coon, and you just got to be willing to follow. Got to be willing to chase it through these <laughs> mountains. So
1: yeah, and, and willing is not all there is to, the, to that combination. You have got to be
0: able to <laughs> well, that's, that's 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 true, not, and
1: that's where I fall short, I'm afraid sometimes when we go to Arkansas now, I go in, I don't think anything of walking eight nine hundred thousand yards into yeah. my dog street, but it's flat ground, you know yeah. it's not climbing straight up,
0: yes, sir. there have been several people reach out to me and uh, and ask if uh want to come up here and hunt, and I just tell them I mean people from other states, you don't want to do that. <laughs> You don't want to come up here. Uh, there's not very many coons, and, and it's really hard to get around. But uh, I would feel I'd feel terrible inviting somebody up here to try to hunt with me uh, <laughs> where, where I live.
1: Well, that was it. I mean, people would say when I was a kid back home, you know, how come we don't have licensed hunts? And I said, who's going to travel here yeah. to go hunting? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you and I have found out that we share another passion besides coon hunting. Mm-hmm. And that is trying to fool a trout. Uh, Yeah. And I get the frustration because it can be frustrating sometimes. Uh, You like to trout fish. Tell us about your fishing and and the the kind of fishing you do and how how you like to fish. And you don't have to give away your honey holes.
0: uh, Well, I don't have any honey holes. I'm not a good enough fisherman to, to lay claim to a honey hole. Uh, So with my fishing, the the only trout fishing we do, my boys personally love to catfish. That's what they like to do. They will will fish for anything. But uh, when we take those trips, uh, on the trip you was talking about that you took, you mentioned uh, going up to the Blackwater River and Blackwater Falls and uh, up in that area, Canaan Valley, that is my my favorite place to trout fish that I've ever been. I've not been all over the place traveling. Uh, But we love to, I love to trout fish. Got that from, got that from my dad. Uh, Excellent. He's an excellent trout fish, excellent fisherman for any kind of fish. He just, he just good at, just good at it. Uh, Something I did not inherit uh, from him is the ability to catch those fish all the time. Uh, But we do love to trout fish. I don't, I don't, I know you get into the fly fishing a little bit and uh, we've never, never ventured down that road and don't know that I will, Uh, but, but I love it. I do love it.
1: Well, you know, uh, I kind of came to it in a roundabout way. My dad uh, always loved to to fish and uh, grew up on a farm in middle Tennessee that a nice smallmouth bass stream flowed right through the farm there. And I still go back and fish that stream and love to fish for smallmouth. I um, used to do it there in the New River uh, in in Mercer County and in the area where I grew up. But um, when I was with AKC out competing on a UKC licensed night hunt one night, I started having chest pains that resulted in me getting a double bypass at Duke University. And while I was recuperating, I started uh, getting the idea that I wanted to learn how to fly fish. My dad and I had fished the trout streams in West Virginia for native brook trout, but we used worms. We were, we were catching trout to eat. That was the prime reason we were catching those trout. And uh, the highlight of the trip would be when we got back to the truck, uh, dropped the tailgate, light up the Coleman stove, uh, fry those trout and have some uh some potatoes and onions or maybe some ramps in the springtime our listeners uh don't know what that is probably a lot of you but that's a a, a leek or kind of like a garlic uh that grows in the mountains in the, in the springtime and it's very very pungent very uh robust in its order uh odor and uh to the point that kids were kind of forbidden to eat them and come to school (laughs) because the exhaust or the breath, you know, was a little hard to deal for the teacher to deal with. But at any rate, we would have a a fish fry at the day's end and that uh, the, the end of the day of fishing. And that's something my dad and I enjoyed together for many, many years. But anyway, I started when when I was recuperating from this little speed bump. Uh I started going to a cabin over in Ashe County, uh North Carolina in the mountains and um, enjoyed the the streams over there and uh would stay on weekends and come back home about a three-hour drive and i finally said that's enough of this i'm just going to get a cabin over there so i did and i lived there uh for quite a while before i moved down to florida but at any rate fly fishing for me has been something that i've really enjoyed it was a learning curve but it's not as difficult as it sounds um you know there are some so-called snobs out there to tell you you got to learn all the Latin terms for all these little bugs and and all this stuff and and but uh, no just get you a good pair of waders and a good fly rod and and just kind of uh, uh, get out there and and teach yourself that's what I did and I've enjoyed it it's it's one of my passions uh, I really enjoy it and uh, I hope to be able to do it for a long time however guys my age. Uh, tend to start slowing down because those slippery rocks in those mm. trout streams are really hard to negotiate. The older you get, and oh, I can man. remember when my dad said, "Steve, I just can't, I can't do this anymore. I, I I'm falling all the time." But uh, I'm not there yet. I, I got a good <laughs> wading staff that I use, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just a lot of fun. Well, you know, Josh, we've kind of shined this tree tonight, I think, and and uh, we didn't have to use a thermal uh no. anything, but I think we found some good uh, good nuggets up there of things to talk about, and I okay. sure have enjoyed it. Oh, uh, I have too. More than anything else with this podcast is getting to meet people and mm. and getting to know them better. and Now I feel like when I get back home to West Virginia, I know, I know somebody that I can – uh, maybe pick up the phone and say, hey, Josh, let's go turn them loose. We'll yes, make sir. a short one up one of those, one of those uh, hollows where the ridges aren't too steep.
0: Yeah, I don't ever promise a short one. <laughs> <laughs> Been there too many times.
1: You, you're you not one of those guys that say, let's just turn them loose one more time, are you?
0: Oh, there's a video <laughs> of that on, on the YouTube channel. Oh, one yeah, more you, turnout.
1: you've yeah. got that covered already.
0: <laughs> huh? yeah. Yes, sir. Well,
1: Josh, it's been a great visit with you. I've enjoyed it so much and enjoyed meeting your boys. And I will be watching that YouTube channel. And I certainly wish you the best in all your endeavors with your family, with your coonhounds, with your fishing trips, and and especially with your church. Mm -hmm. And uh, what a great uh, example you are for Mm -hmm. the young people that want to follow this sport, that there's a lot of good people. We hear the negatives sometimes, but there's a yeah. lot of good people associated with this sport, and some of the best people I've ever met in my life, I met them because of a coon dog. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is uh, I, there I, I, knew, th-
0: I appreciate th- it before we close. I just I want to say I appreciate you having me on here. It's an honor. There's a lot more interesting people that you could have got to come on here, Uh, uh but I appreciate. I do appreciate the opportunity. Uh, Thank you for it. I enjoy it. I've listened to everyone, uh, every podcast so far, and uh, intend to keep doing that. Uh, But always, at the end of our channel, at the end of any any of our videos, I always have a little saying, uh, keep looking up. And the reason I say that for a coon hunter, it kind of resonates twice with me. Uh, You mentioned the church and that I pastor and that I'm, I'm a minister Uh, the keep looking up thing for a coon hunter. That's what we want to do, man. We're shining those trees. That's right. But even bigger. But even the bigger picture of that, the bigger meaning for that is that we keep our eyes focused on God and focused on what's important. Uh, And any platform I'm ever given, any platform I'm ever given, whether it's uh, God blesses me to have a YouTube channel that's somewhat successful, uh, whether He uses you as an instrument to to give me this platform, provide me this platform. That's all part of His plan and His plan for me. It's to tell people that he loves them and, and that, that he sent his, sent his son to die on the cross for them and that hope is is available. Uh, peace is an option. Uh, and all you got to do is, is turn to Jesus Christ and, and turn to God. He sent his son for us uh, and to take away those sins and take away that guilt and that shame. It's hard for me to, uh, this, this part of me just comes out natural. Uh, so it's hard for me to separate any aspect of my life, whether it's my family whether it's hunting, uh, whether it's fishing, I can't separate that from my relationship with him because he's in all of it. Uh, so I had, I had to throw that little part in there, Steve, and hope it didn't, uh, didn't bother you at all, and I don't think it would.
1: Make no apologies at all. Uh, very, very happy to, to hear you sharing uh, the gospel with our listeners. Thank you, and I could, not, I could not agree more. Josh, it's been great to be Thank with you sir. tonight. I, you and your boys have a great hunting season coming up there in the hills of West Virginia. Uh, and I, I just, uh, from now on, when I shine a tree and I'm looking up, I'll think about you.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that, Steve. Appreciate you having fun phone, brother.
1: Okay. If anybody asks you where's Fielder, just tell him he's gone to the dog.